from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back, Chiefs fans. It is now time. That interview we've been promising you, it is today. Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, over at Bleacher Report. We're going to sit down for over half an hour and go through his opinions and what he sees in this draft class, especially as it relates to the Chiefs. Before we get to that, I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics. We do athletic matrix testing and analysis. It's going to be part of the combine effort. We'll give you plenty more about that, but go ahead and check out RogueAPC.com if you like to get a look at last year's. Uh, Chris is going to join us here in just a second, the editor of our site, LockedOnChiefs.com, and you can find my written stuff over at Chiefs Digest with Matt Derrick as well. Um, we welcome you back. Not a whole lot going on with the team specifically right this moment. So we are going to be focused right now on, as we discussed the free agents a little bit last week, we'll have more on that with Seth tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk to Matt right now about this class, how they can look at what they're going to have in, in especially day two with their, their two picks on day two as it stands right now prior to any trades or anything that might happen. So we're going to get right to that. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, tell your friends to subscribe. Get as many people in on the conversation. We're still taking lots of comments at Locked On Chiefs on Twitter, as well as our phone number, 913-777-4457. Leave us a voicemail. We're going to do more mailbag questions, uh, and we want to get your audio on the show as well. So if you want to be heard, leave us a voicemail there. Thanks for all your effort, and here's Matt. And we're back. Here's our guest of the week. You guys all know him because it's getting on draft season, especially for Chiefs fans. This is Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet, guys. Thanks for having me on. Matt, this is going into Senior Bowl week. You're actually at the Senior Bowl as we are going to put this out, I believe, on Wednesday. Um, What are you looking forward to seeing at the Senior Bowl this year? Well, I think the thing that's going to dominate the Senior Bowl is going to be the quarterback's Josh Allen is there. Baker Mayfield's there. Luke Falk. Um, and we would have had Mason Rudolph had he not dropped out with an injury. So I think you can look at, you know, a, a team that Chiefs fans have to deal with twice a year, the Denver Broncos, coaching Baker Mayfield, coaching Josh Allen, trying to figure out how do they address the quarterback position? Is it a free agent like Kirk Cousins? Is it someone that they would go after in the draft with the fifth overall pick? So that's a big part of it. And then, you know, there's, my favorite thing about the Senior Bowl, other than you know the going out drinking every night, is that it's it really puts every player on the same uh, playing field, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. If whether you're from West Georgia or Alabama, like you're out there on the same field, and, and it really gives you a great opportunity to evaluate guy versus guy. You know, Desmond Harrison going against pass rushers from you know, the Big Twelve and the SEC and the ACC to to really get a feel for just how good these guys are. And for teams like the Chiefs that have a great front office. And doesn't have, they don't have a first round pick? I think the Senior Bowl is important because you got to find those guys in the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round that can come in and be starters. You know, looking at your latest mock, I I was going to ask you about the Broncos in particular because I'm not certain. I see a lot of people saying that the top five are going to be four quarterbacks, and I just wonder. I know that you had them, uh, you mocked them with Fitzpatrick from Alabama. Uh, do you see a drop off after uh, the the Darnell Rosen line? Well, I think there's a difference between what people on Twitter see and what the NFL sees. And it's that time of year where people have a hard time rectifying that, you know, like if, okay, well, Twitter loves Baker Mayfield. And a lot of people are saying he should be the first pick in the draft. I don't think that happens. I I think he's probably drafted somewhere between 12 and 23. Uh, Sam Darnold, 
probably the favorite to go number one overall right now if the Browns don't secure a quarterback in free agency or a trade. Josh Rosen, probably the favorite to go number two. After that, it all becomes preference. Uh, you know, the, the Colts are set, obviously. The Browns wouldn't draft the quarterback at four. So it becomes the Broncos at five. Um, I, I think the wild card is Kirk Cousins. Where, where does he end up? Is he a Brown, a Jet, a Bronco, a Cardinal? He could, he could land in so many different spots. Maybe he's back in Washington. So it makes a mock draft particularly hard this year because there is that kind of ace out there that no one knows what's going to happen with him. And if he ends up in Denver, yeah, they could go make a Fitzpatrick. If, if not, whether it's the world's greatest smoke screen or not, John Elway petitioned to have Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen on his team at the senior bowl. So there's either he's playing the long game of, of, you know, getting everybody riled up about this or there's some legitimate interest there. So I, I think it's really, it's really confusing and intriguing right now, which is unexpected. It, normally this time of year, we all start to have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. Well, you talk about the QB situation and you talk about uh, Kirk Cousins in Washington not knowing where he's going. Uh, do you have a thought as to where you think he ends up? I, I really don't. Uh, I, I wish I knew. Um, I really do because, and I've asked. I've asked everyone I know in the NFL. I've asked his agent even, you know, and he and I have known each other since I started in this job in 2010 of where does he end up? And um, when I asked that question in August, everybody would be like, oh, probably, you know, somewhere in California, hinting at San Francisco. Then they trade for Garoppolo, and I think now no one really knows what to expect. You know, um, I hope it's the Jets because I think that's a great situation for him with what they have in those young receivers. They've got a great young defense that they're building. They have $80 million plus to spend. And I think maybe it's, you know, you're guessing a little bit, but if you were Kirk Cousins and you're, you know, you're 29 years old, you probably got two contracts left, You've already hinted about wanting to, you know, go somewhere that you're marketable. Would you rather go to Cleveland or New York? I'd rather go to New York. You know, so <laughs> I, I think that plays a lot into it. Um, I don't Denver. I don't know if they're going to have the money to do it. Arizona. I don't know that they're going to want to invest in a, a guy who is a little bit older again instead of just trying to rebuild things from the the ground up. Now that Arians is gone and Palmer's gone, so I I really hope it's the Jets. Really quick is a quick follow up to that question. Uh, I don't think that Alex Smith gets traded to a team uh, that's going to change what they do in the first round. But do you see that as as him maybe stepping into one of those places, uh, maybe Cleveland? I can't imagine that that would really change their pick, though, right? You wouldn't think it would because he is, you know, a guy getting older. I know, um, you know, I'm everyone knows this. I'm a 49ers fan, and, and probably the team that I've been most connected to throughout my career was San Francisco. And I know when they traded him, the two teams that were bidding on Alex was Kansas City and Arizona. And so now you look at it of, okay, well, those guys who were it, were players for him back then, now John's in Cleveland, and the Cardinals don't have a single quarterback on the roster. So I think those have to be the favorites. It just comes down to – it probably comes down somewhat to where Alex wants to go, even though there's no such thing as a, a no-trade clause. You know, you, you still don't want to screw a guy that's that you like and that's been very successful for your team. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to get that reputation. So you probably ask him, "Hey, would you? Where would you rather go? You want to go back and, and be with John, or do you want to go to Arizona?" And and then it comes down to asking price. Um, if I'm like if if Brett Veach is asking my opinion, I'm probably not sending Alex Smith within the the conference. You know, you look what New England did with Garoppolo. You you try to get him to another conference just because you don't want to have to deal with that guy in your backyard. But I, I think Alex is also to an age where it, it's not as much of a concern. You know, I mean. 
everyone's tweeting me uh, after the AFC Championship game that the Jags win a Super Bowl if they have Alex Smith instead of Blake Bortles. But he, he's going to be 34 next year, um, which, you know, Tom Brady's 40 and he's still doing okay, but I think everyone's different. So you just have to – the team that's going to trade for Alex has to – you said if it's Cleveland, you still probably pick a quarterback at one, and you have the understanding that it might be a two-year type deal. Well, and I'm glad you brought him up because – we hear so much about how John Dorsey went about his work in Kansas City, now over in Cleveland. Uh, what's your impression of at least what you've seen over the years of Brett Veach himself? Um, you know, I, I take a lot of crap because last year, probably about this time I started tweeting, you know, the next guy to get a GM job should be Brett Veach. And, and I get all these people like, who the hell are you talking about? You know what? Who? This <laughs> this guy, you know, from Kansas City. I'm like, no, no, I swear. Like, this guy's a great scout. And really, even coming from Philadelphia, when he left from Philly to Kansas City, that was his reputation of, here's this quiet dude who's just going to go live in the SEC and scout the hell out of some players down there. And I, I think that's his reputation. And also, people have to realize that Kansas City is a different situation. So, like, Chris Ballard is not going to stay in Kansas City to be a, a GM with Andy Reid because of that structure. Like Andy is pretty much the GM. You know, Andy's going to say, we need a tight end. Brett, go find me one. And now, so Ballard is able to go to, to Indy and run his own show. I think Brett's a great match with Andy because obviously he was his assistant in Philly. There's a good connection there between the two of them. There's a lot of trust. And, you know, he is in a, a unique spot where you have one of the NFL's best coaches and one of the NFL's best town evaluators as your boss and or as your partner however you look at it and I think last year's draft you know I've heard so many different stories about who was actually running that draft whether it was Andy or John I think this year we'll we'll get to see I mean I know that Brett Beach can scout I think the biggest question for a guy making that jump is how do they value players you know so we all know that Minka Fitzpatrick's a really good player and this won't apply to the Chiefs because they don't have a first-round pick. But it's where do you take a guy like that? Or where do you take Quentin Nelson? You know, how do you value a guard? Or for a team that's going to be making their first pick late in round two, how do you value these corners like Tavares McFadden? You know, how do you value the guys like Jair Alexander? Um, that's where I, I think the jump from being a really good scout to a good general manager, that's probably the hardest part of that transition. Well, did you talk about him going into the draft this year, that this is something that – you know, obviously, we don't know the ins and outs of who drafted who last year. Um, you know, whether it was Veach, whether it was Andy, whether it was Dorsey, uh, who was making those calls. But we haven't seen Veach have his own chance at a draft yet. We have seen him make moves and pick up, uh, you know, a great player in Reggie Ragland for Kansas City. I think that was a huge uh, get for Kansas City. And I'm not so sure that, um, you know, uh, Cam Irving will turn out to be at least a decent backup uh, player, so I like that trade as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in this draft. Are you expecting him to make moves, uh, kind of like Dorsey did? You know, go down, or you think he's just going to be his own guy and, and do things a little bit differently? No, I expect him to be his own guy, and and because of not having a first round pick, and and we kind of have to wait and see, right? What happens with Alex if they're able to get a, a second round pick or better for him? Then it, it kind of changes everything. But I would expect. Just what I've what I've known, what I've heard, I would expect Veach to be a little more like goal oriented in the draft, you know, of okay, we gotta get this, this, and this instead of going in and, and maybe being open to trades. I, I think last year's draft and, and Chiefs fans know because it's the first time since what, eighty three they've drafted a quarterback in the first round. They know it was a unique situation where, you know, that 
people knew Alex was good, but that he could only take you so far. And that it was time when you had a prospect that you loved and he's going to be there at 10. Um, I, I think you had to swing. One funny story I've heard, I don't know if I've ever told this story actually, is that um, the day that trade happened, everyone, I all my sources in Kansas City, because the trade happened like in the afternoon. It wasn't a, you know during the draft. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought they were trading up for a linebacker because they didn't expect the quarterbacks to be there. And no one thought that that Mahomes and Watson would both be there at ten, and that you'd have to make that decision. But I, I think you have to just you know credit them for being aggressive and, and being willing to say, okay, well, if we trade up to ten and the quarterbacks are gone, we'll draft Reuben Foster, and we got the success for the successor to Derek Johnson. So um, I, I think knowing Veach's position in the front office, moves like that aren't happening without him being very involved in it. Well, and I like what you said about being open to particular maneuvers. Does that mean, uh, in your mind at least, how we've heard this um, thing about Kansas City's philosophy over the year? Do you expect them to be a little more targeted in fulfilling needs that they need, especially for starters, or or the quote-unquote best player available scenario? No, I would expect Beach to always be a best player available guy, um, j- just from the tree that he comes from. You know, of let's just let's churn the talent on this roster now. That doesn't mean that when they stack their board, they might not, you know, put corners a little higher than offensive guards because they know there's a need there mm-hmm. and they're, the salary cap is a mess right now. So you're not going to be able to do a whole lot in free agency to fill those holes. So I, I think that's, you know, it makes it to where it's like a mix. It's almost like how Seattle does things of it's targeted best player available where you almost cheat and, you know, the, the Chiefs aren't going to draft a quarterback late in the second round if that's the best guy on their board. You know, it's just not going to happen. They're probably not going to draft a running back if he's the best guy on their board. So it's it's kind of a mixture of the two philosophies. Well, I want to change gears here in a second and talk about specific needs. But first, folks, remember to be subscribed and check out everything on LockedOnChiefs.com. We'll have all of our draft info up there. What do you see as their needs going into this draft? Obviously, free agency will change things, uh, but you know yeah. we, we don't know what's going to happen there yet. Well, I think the edges uh, are, are big. So corner, wide receiver, edge rusher, I think those are big spots where you have to start. And I liked the development of Tyreek Hill this year. I really, I really liked what Chris Conley was doing. Albert Wilson's going to have a free agent, so that – kind of complicates things. I know they drafted Chesson in the fourth round last year. Hopefully he can take the next step, but that's what I see. You know, I mean, corner, Marcus Peters is one of my favorite players in the NFL, but he's a wild card. You know, you just never know what you're going to get out of that dude and how much longer he's going to be you know, somebody that you can count on just because of, you know, he's a little immature or a lot immature. And I don't think you can count on Steven Nelson or Darrell Rivas or Terrence Mitchell and those guys to be, what you're looking for at the corner position. I think safety, even even with Eric Berry back, I think safety is an area where you love to get better, like to get younger, and just get more athletic. Um, wide, and again, I think wide receiver might be a spot where you can double dip a little bit. And edge rusher, I mean, gosh, you know, Frank Zombo, run at him. That's all you do is run at him all day. You know, like, it's like, what was the Jaguars game plan? Well, it was run at Frank Zombo, and it works. Uh, time and time again, you know, the Titans did it. And, and you know, Derrick Henry had the best game he's ever had in his life just running at Frank Zombo. So I think you got to address that. You know, unfortunately, Ford, it looks like, you know, that, that glimpse of talent we saw last year was, you know, just a, a mirage, and he's a bust. You know, you got to start getting younger there. And, Houston and Bailey are, you know, two guys that have been so good for so long, but you got to start thinking about the future. I, I think of both spots. 
you say you talk about uh, Ford. I just have to ask real quick. Uh, do you think that he's back in Kansas City this year? I know he's under contract technically, but you think they keep him? I I don't think so. Just because the way the salary cap is right now, I mean, they're in really really bad shape. I don't I don't know that that gets talked about enough. Just how bad the cap space is, and I know a lot of people will say like, oh well, if you you know, get rid of Alex, that's 10% of the cap that, that you can, you know, clear off there. You can clear like 17 million if you get rid of him and, and maybe you can restructure Justin Houston. But I look at D Ford as a guy that's very, very expendable. And like you said, yeah, he's under contract, but uh, I, I wonder if you can't, you know, remove that fifth year option that you picked up and just, you know, just eat it a little bit because there's a guy that's not only is he going to cost almost 9 million against the cap, he's just, he doesn't even contribute. He's not even a good player. All right, this is my favorite part. We can actually start shooting at this class because uh, I like where you're coming from. I agree with you. I think the guards a tertiary need, uh, maybe the, the third out of the three. But, man, when I look at this edge rusher class, I, I know uh, from most of the things that I've seen in red, Harold Landry's got to be the premier 3-4 OLB type. Who's a guy who might be there in their second or third round that you think might be a fit at that position? Yeah, that's what makes it tough, right? By the time you, by the time you get to you know pick, you know fifty five, uh, or is that where they're at fifty five? I mean, they're late. So by the time you fifty four, by the time you get back around, you know a lot of these guys are off the board. I would look at Uchenna Nuoso from USC as a really good fit. Um, he's done it all there for the Trojans. Number forty two, played safety, played linebacker, he's edge rusher this year. I think he's a great fit in a three four defense. Uh, Obi. Uh, I can I can never say his name right. Okoronkwo. I always get it on the second try. Uh, from Oklahoma, little undersized, but another guy who played weak side edge for them and rushed the quarterback a lot. I would be very interested in both of those guys. I, I think a guy who just got called up to the Senior Bowl that had a good Shrine Week, Chad Thomas from Miami. He's a little heavier than maybe what the Chiefs would have gone for in the past. He's six five two seventy five, but really athletic. And you guys, like, you should do this over the summer. Go back and look at a lot of the Chiefs draft picks. Uh, look at arm length and how much that front office likes arm length. Chad Thomas has 34 and an eighth inch arms, which is might mean nothing to most people listening to this podcast, but for scouting, that's, that's like a 10, you know, you get real excited about a guy with 34 inch arms. who can play the edge. So he's definitely a guy I would look at. And let me, let me follow that up. Cause I like where you're coming from. And like you said, this organization, so really you don't see much changing with the Veach change, right? I don't. I really don't. I, I think it's, you know, business as usual for the most part. Um, and especially with Negi gone, I don't know what's how much will change offensively because it's still Andy. Like that's the constant here is it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're still, it's still Bob Sutton, you know, and it's, so it's, it's all the same. Um, and, and I wouldn't think that Veach is going to look for necessarily different types of players than what Dorsey looked for. I mean, it's, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. So do you feel from a Chiefs perspective, it's still uh, riding heavily on performance at the Senior Bowl as well as athleticism? Well, that's one thing. I don't know how much that will change because, you know, whether it was Ballard or Veach or Dorsey, I I think that this – you're right. They definitely came to value Senior Bowl performance, whether it was Eric Fisher or, you know, most of the guys who've been drafted recently. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to that, you know, being able to see a guy in person, to see them coached, and how they develop. And I, I think one thing that the Chiefs have done a great job of, especially with day three picks, is finding guys who are just scheme specific and really work well for them that might not for others. You know, like being able to identify a, a DeVernay Tardif and say, okay, well, this guy, 
needs a year and we're gonna have to coach the hell out of him, but he's going to be a really good fit for us. So I don't know that that will change so much. It gets harder with the senior bowl though, because you know, there might be a hundred kids at the senior bowl, but there's 106 underclassmen that declare. And then you, you can expect the top 20, 15 to 20 seniors, most years drop out of the senior bowl. So by the time you actually look at the talent that's down in mobile, it's a lot of late day two and early day three guys. So I, I think it's, you don't want to put too much stock into saying, oh, let's just draft guys who we saw at the Senior Bowl, but it's more the reality of you don't, you're not going to draft a ton of juniors because they're underdeveloped in most cases. And this is a team that has a window to win a Super Bowl or at least had one with, with Alex Smith. So you are more going for guys who are ready to play as opposed to ready for potential. But maybe we saw that change last year. You know, Mahomes is the exact opposite of that, of you know, a guy who, you know, was not ready at really probably any point this year to actually play. And I know he he got fans excited in week 17, and hopefully that carries over. But I'm going to be excited to kind of you know learn what this new front office's philosophy is too. And you brought up Patrick Mahomes. I just have to ask you real quick, what was your thought of Kansas City going and getting him? Um, mixed, honestly. Just I liked Mahomes a lot. I really did. Um, as a person and a player, uh, I didn't have a round one grade on him, but I don't have a round one grade on, on most, you know, like it's not like I give out 32 round one grades. So when right. I saw Mahomes, and, you know, it's different when you're grading for the entire NFL. You're like, oh, shit, if this guy goes to Cleveland, he's going to play right away and he's not going to be any good. Or if he has to go to the Jets. And I've I've talked a lot about this before. And Mahomes is a great example of a guy who goes to a good situation and it almost changes their grade. So, okay, well, he's not going to have to play here and he can learn under – Negi and he can watch Alex and he can learn from Andy and, and that really boosts their stock. So I liked the, the bravado of this is a team that everyone is, is crapped on for so long about not drafting first round quarterbacks and, and being gun shy. And then you just throw it all on the table to trade up to 10 and, and go get a guy. I liked that aspect of it. And I liked the potential of Mahomes, especially with some really good quarterback tutors there. But like I said, I would have, you know, if Cleveland had drafted him at 12 somehow, I probably would have ripped the pick pretty hard because I didn't think he was ready to play right away. And that's really the difference for him. It is, absolutely. And it changes everything. You know, people like to, to talk about, oh, this guy's a bust or that guy's a bust. So much of it's situational. You know, if, if Deshaun Kaiser goes to the Chiefs in the second round instead of the Browns, what's his future like? Where he can actually sit and learn and be developed and, you know, have a, a – like a solid foundation and supporting cast around him, it's it, it makes a world of difference unless you have a just a special, special skill set where you can be the guy who changes everything. Well, did you make a great point there? You know, that really goes back to talking about the Cleveland Browns and why they've struggled for so long. They've had talented players that have gone through there, but they just can't get everything to go together all at once. Yeah, and I think the Browns, the last front office, had this horrible habit of, they were trying to acquire talent, not build a team. And I, I've, I've gone back and forth with Browns fans about that. They'll be like, how can you be negative about Sashi Brown? He drafted 60 or top 100 players. And that there's such a big difference between acquiring, like just say, oh, we drafted 60 or top 100. We, should, we had a great draft. But if those guys don't fit together, and if you took them at bad spots, it's not a good draft. So it's, you know, it's not just about how many top 100 players can we draft. It's, having a, a plan to, to build a team and know how personalities fit together and to properly value the quarterback. So you don't trade out of Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. You know, it's, 
it's such, you have to have a bigger picture of you. And I think that's one thing that Andy deserves a lot of credit for is, you know, consistently having a plan to keep the team competitive. Well, and I think the top 100 is important, especially for a team at 54 and 76 uh, or wherever they're going to be in the second round. It's going to be it's going to be high 96. I think <laughs> my math's off a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I want to dig into because I like uh, your first mock had a corner uh, McFadden out of Florida State. I think that's in my in my opinion probably the most likely in terms of the talent pool. What's going to be there at 54? But I have questions about some other guys. I'd love to get your opinion on like uh, Cam Kelly, uh, Quentin Meeks. Uh, why did you go McFadden in, in your first mock? Well, I went for kind of a like a poor man's Marcus Peters and a guy with good ball skills uh, who can be physical with the line of scrimmage, has athleticism. I think if you watch McFadden's 2016, you're, you'll think like, dang, this guy might be the best corner in football. And you watch 2017, and it's he just didn't make the plays this year. And he was ignored a little bit, but I mean, he had eight picks in 2016. So the biggest question on him is going to be, which is which? You know, which dude is it? But he's 6'1", 200 pounds. We'll see at the Combine, because he's a junior, just how well he runs. Um, you mentioned a couple other corners. I like Meeks uh, a lot out of Stanford. I think Stanford guys are just exceptionally well coached. He has good size, you know, 6'1", buck 95, can play press. I think he would be a good fit. I have him in the third-round range right now, so I'm, that was the reason, just not as high on him. And I actually have Cam Kelly as a safety. I know he played both for San Diego State, and I'm very – Excited to get a full report on him coming out of senior bowl, going into combine, just to get a, a better feel for his, his athleticism. But if the Chiefs, you know, view safety as a bit, as big a need as I do, then that's definitely someone you could consider. Do you know are they going to rep him at both positions? That's the plan, um, okay. and, and yeah, and I think that you know that's that's so good for him and especially you know with the Texans being on that coaching staff of they they like physical corners they and that's a need for them so I think it's in their best interest to try to figure out you know where is this guy where's his fit where how many different spots can he help us at because he's definitely athletic and he's shown good versatility there I think one of the keys there too is going from San Diego State to okay go cover those Oklahoma State wide receivers and let's see how good you are so what are some of the deepest positions that you see going into this draft? I mean, I really, really like the running back class, which I feel like I say that every year now. And it's just <laughs> there's a ridiculous amount of talent there. Um, and you guys all know the names, whether it's Saquon Barkley or Darius Geis or Ronald Jones or on Johnson. I mean, there's, there's so many of them this year. Sonny Michelle, uh, probably the best senior running back out of the class. So I like it a lot. I love the tight end class. Uh, you know, Dallas Goder from South Dakota State, Mike Gusecki, Troy Fumagalli, Mark Andrews. I mean, it's a great tight end class. There might be – I think I had seven or eight tight ends with a starter grade, like when I just went through preliminary grades on guys. So it could be a very good year there. Uh, I like the safety class. I'm a little more down on it than I was when the season ended because I've had more time to watch tape now. Like I'm, I'm down on Marcus Allen as opposed to where I thought I would be. I'm down on Jordan Whitehead as opposed to where I, I was at the end of the season. Same for Quinn Blanding and Deshaun Elliott. Armani Watts. So there could be a ton of safeties drafted, like third, fourth, fifth round, which gives it depth. And when it comes to top ends, you know, it's like, okay, we all like Minka Fitzpatrick. And there's a gap, and there's Darwin James, and there's another gap. And it's, you know, whether it's Ronnie Harrison, Cam Kelly, Justin Reed, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys, but it's kind of more spread out at the top. Is it just me, or is this class slanted towards the strong safety being the strength rather than the guys that play center field? No, it definitely is, because without a doubt, because like Ronnie Harrison, Derwin James, Kaiser White, Marcus Allen, uh, 
it, I absolutely agree with you. It is slanted more to strong safeties. And that it, it's kind of unfortunate because the trend is going toward almost teams going more to just athletes who can interchange back there instead of the old school, you know, okay, we need Cam Chancellor and then we need Earl Thomas. You know, everybody now wants guys like Her- Harrison Smith who can do both. You mentioned tight end. I have to ask the question. Uh, Kansas City, I think that is a need for them. Obviously, I don't think it's a great need for them, uh, but Andy Reid likes to use the two tight end sets, and I think it would help Patrick Mahomes. Uh, is there going to be a tight end that's, that, you know, probably not second round, probably not third round, but maybe, you know, fourth or fifth round that could be that guy that can back up Travis Kelsey and come in if he gets injured like he did in the playoffs? Oh, with that, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, Adam Brenneman from UMass, he was a kid who was at Penn State for a while and transferred. Uh, Chris Herndon from Miami, who tore his MCL late November, so he's a little slow coming back, but just a really good athlete. I think he would be a natural fit there. And these are all guys that you can get later. You know, Tyler Conklin at Central Michigan is another one to keep an eye on. Is a guy who like maybe looks like he's more athletic than he actually is, which could push him down the board, but it's a really solid player. So I, I think with tight end – you know, you there's like I'm I'm looking at my rankings right now. There I have 17 tight ends in the top 250. So you wow. can get a good tight end this year, and and you can get a you know whether you want someone like DeAndre Goldsby or who's done more flex type stuff. There's there's a lot of variety too. Well, then that was going to be my other question when it comes to tight ends. Are we talking you know uh, pass catching tight ends? Block? I mean, blocking's kind of gone out the wayside. Uh, a lot, but yeah, I was just saying, no, no one blocks right. a tight end anymore in college. Right. So Mark <laughs> Andrews does. That's about it at Oklahoma. Um, yeah, it's you know a lot of these guys are flex guys that you're either going to have to teach to block or accept the fact that they're not going to be blockers and just say oh, we're not going to worry about it. You're just going to be you know almost a big wide receiver and someone that can be moved around as a chess piece. All right, my my biggest thing is I, I think this team could have gone an extra step or two had the the offensive line been. Uh, more suited for what they're trying to do. And, you know, you see a lot about, uh, especially Wynn going into guard. Uh, he can play in a zone scheme, right? Who are some other guys that can play uh, that left guard in particular, the move guard in a zone scheme a little bit better? Yeah, Isaiah Wynn from Georgia is the, the first guy you'd highlight. Uh, played left tackle for them and showed really, really great movement skills. Um, he's undersized, you know, 6'2". He'll probably be 295 at the combine would be my guess. As they try to put a little bulk on him. So he could definitely do it, and, and I don't think would have any trouble. I would look at someone like William Clapp from LSU as well. Um, has a little more size. He's 6'4", 300 pounds. They moved their offensive line quite a bit there. Um, he could definitely be a fit. Sam Jones at Arizona State would be another one. Guy who's probably going to grade out as a, like a mid-rounder. Um, he could come in, I think, not only be a good move guard, but someone who could play pretty dang early on in his career if he needed to. Well, okay, I'll ask another one then. <laughs> I want to go back to the running backs real quick because uh, the, the size thing that we've seen the last couple of seasons, um, especially out of guys from Alabama, I, I feel like Scarborough wasn't uh, utilized as much as, as he could have, maybe because of his maturity level or whatever, but he seems like a kid to me that may be able to do more at the NFL level than he did in college. Yeah, I, He's going to be an interesting one for me to study. Uh, like most Alabama backs – you know, big guys, they have so many backs that you, it's hard to get a feel because they're constantly rotating them in and out, whether, you know, it's, oh, let's get you out for Damian Harris or let's get you out for Najee Harris and, and just rolling those guys through. I think the biggest question for Scarborough is going to be the same thing it was for Derrick Henry of, and really the same thing it was for TJ Yeldon. Are you able to create when the hole's not there? Uh, it's what, it's the difference between, you know, guys like Leonard Fournette and Saquon Barkley, 
they're able to make things happen when there's nothing there. So that's what I look at is the, the biggest part of his evaluation is the agility. And, and a lot of it for me is it's a question that can't be answered until I have time to go back and jump into more film and try to find those runs where he's asked to create laterally on his own. Okay, shotgun effect then. Uh, <laughs> nose tackles. Uh, obviously, Payne can play the, the do the job, not going to be around when the Chiefs are looking for it. Who are some other guys that you feel c- can carry the, the zero tech at the NFL level? Oh, my God. Puna Ford is my dude for zero tech. And if you watch this trying game, he blew it up. He got promoted to the senior bowl. He's 5'11", 310 pounds, and when we talked to Malik Jefferson, he he said, thank God for Puna Ford because that dude saved my life. Uh, so probably a guy who will be a day three pick just because the the size limitations, but absolutely love the way that he can stack up the middle. Uh, Justin Jones at NC State would be another one. I think could be a good zero tech. Um, and really this year, I think the D-line class favors more you know, guys who are penetrators, not people who are just going to be able to, to be a true anchor. Um, you know, Kendrick Norton from Miami has a chance to rise, maybe be a third to fourth rounder. Um, but he's probably, as far as true nose tackles go, um, that, that would be available outside of round one is probably the one I like the most. Awesome. I honestly, I didn't think there was going to be that many. <laughs> it's, it's becoming a, a, a lost art, you know, guys who, you know, actually just kind of hold the point and you know, make the run game disappear. When I look at this class and what's gone on the last few seasons, as the league has quote unquote gotten away from the run, and now all of a sudden you have, you have teams like the Jaguars making it to the championship game based on the run, uh, it looks like the opposite is true as well. We saw interest in Foster last year. This uh, this off ball inside group looks like it's pretty special. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, you know, there's, it, there's it's a lot of depth. You know, we're seeing more athletes play that spot, whether it like Roquan Smith. Tremaine Edmonds, Rashawn Evans, Malik Jefferson. Those are all guys that I, I think have a shot to be drafted in the first round. You know, in the second round, there's Leighton Vander Esch from Boise, who's probably one of my favorite players in the entire class. So it is, it's a deep class. And, and I, you know, it's funny that guys like Jerome Baker kind of get lost in the shuffle, but, you know, players who are very good in college, Josie Jewell, you know, guys I, I think could be NFL starters, but they just kind of get lost in the wash because there are, you know, we're talking about, Roquan Smith being a top five pick and Tremaine Edmonds being a top 15 pick. And those guys kind of steal the show a little bit. Well, I appreciate you running all those down. Cause I have obviously not done film on everybody. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get in where I can, but for folks, sure. if you know who Matt Miller is, there's no reason for me to tell you to go follow him or read his stuff at Bleacher Report, but Guttery's stuff is at Bleacher Report. Uh, we would love to have you back anytime you have time. I know you're swamped, and the Senior Bowl is going to be really special. But uh, safe travels, and thank you for being with us. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review. And reach out to us on Twitter, at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.